Attention shoppers, there are a wide variety of Crossrip items available in the gift shop. Sweatshirts, smartphone covers, an exclusive t-shirt designed by Dapper Dan Shonen of IDW Comics fame, and more on the way. All proceeds go towards our servers, so this remains the only ad you hear on the show. Go to GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. This is not an Abby Crombie and Fitch model. It is Anthony Bresnik. I said Bresnikan from Entertainment Weekly. So it is official now. You're going to do the introductions. I'm Kato. Start the applause now and screaming. Because this is going to be amazing. Thank you so much. Happy Ghostbusters Day, everyone. Uh, I'm so thrilled to see you. I am so happy to be here earlier in the year. It was my privilege to break the news that there was a new Ghostbusters movie coming in 2020. And, uh, talked to Jason and the He made that great little teaser with the Ecto and the barn. And we're going to try to pry some more information out of him today. But we also have... Uh, have his father, Ivan Reitman, the director of 1984's Ghostbusters and 1989's Ghostbusters 2. Ivan Reitman. Right behind him, his son, Jason Reitman. Director of Juno up in the air, the front runner, now joining the family business. And Paul Feig, the director of Ghostbusters, answer the call. So today is the today is the to the day actual 35th anniversary of the opening of Ghostbusters. It was a Friday, though. It was a Friday. Well, you know, uh, what do you recall from opening weekend? Any special memories? It seemed to work right from the beginning. You know, we were a, really a cocky bunch of guys. <laughs> we really uh, we were. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh oh. Hey. Oh, there Hi. That's better. I think what I said, we were a very cocky bunch of guys. And we were pretty confident that we were making a special movie. We did it so quickly, and we didn't have a chance to think about it. Everything about it, every once in a while you get one of those movies where everything sort of works out. Where the script just turns out just right, you don't have to reshoot. It all goes together when it's edited the very first time and you watch it with an audience. And, um, you know how that goes. Well, I'd love to have that experience. <laughs> and, you know, all the crew members are right, and as a director, you look over at your cast and you say, oh my God, what a perfect combination of people for this movie. And um, that was the feeling. That was the feeling going into the opening weekend, even though people in the industry didn't really know much about the film and weren't expecting very much for it. There was, it seemed that the audience that came to see it had a really strong feeling about it the moment that they sat down. And, um, you know, what happened in 1984, we were number one that first weekend. And then we were, and we ended up to be number one for every single weekend of the entire summer, except for once. 
Uh, at some point in August, there was a new Clint Eastwood movie that knocked us out. And then we came back to number one the week after that. So it was a very good week and a very good summer. And I thank you very much. Hey, Paul, did you see it opening weekend? I did. I was in film school at USC. And we're such, we were such fans of, of, of the whole cast that we were just like, oh my god, a comedy movie. We didn't, that was in the days when you didn't get like inundated with all kinds of trailers and press and the internet and all that. So we just said, oh, that looks really fun. I didn't even kind of know that it was going to be scary. So we're just sitting there like, oh, there's our favorite guys. They're so hilarious. And then that the, the, the librarian ghost happens. And we're just like, oh my god. And it was, for me, it was such an eye-opener to go like, wow, you can, you can make people laugh and really scare them at the same time. I just thought it was brilliant. So Jason, you and I are about a year apart in age. I remember seeing Ghostbusters in the theater. Yeah. I loved it. I loved the slime. I loved the jokes, even, yeah. though, even though I was too young to get some of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what do you recall about, I, I know you were on set and you have a yeah. lot of memories of that, but about the, the, the debut of Ghostbusters and maybe even seeing it for the first time. It scared the living crap out of me. <laughs> That's actually the thing that I remember most. I remember it, how scary it was, and being terrified of terror dogs, um, and it felt magical. You want to tell the Oh, ha, yeah, I, um, just gonna name drop for a moment. Uh, you told me this great story while we're waiting to come out, and so I thought I would coax it out of it. Uh, I was at something at the Director's Guild recently, and I was sitting next to Steven Spielberg. You know, my buddy. And, uh, and I said, uh, I said, you know, I'm going to direct the next Ghostbusters movie. And he just said, ah, Library Ghost, top ten scares of all time. Yeah. And then Paul and I were like, yeah, and here's why. And we're breaking it down because it's so unexpected. It's the, sh it's the yeah. quiet. Uh, but, Ivan, you, you did, you were known for comedies, and yet you managed to make Kind of a, a horror movie too. Well, uh, growing up as a kid, <laughs> I was really a, probably as big a um, a scary movie, a horror movie fan as I was uh, comedy, and it was always my dream to do some kind of combo platter uh, of both of those loves. You know, I had my scrapbooks of horror movies and scrapbooks of all monsters of film land. And that's exactly. I was a subscriber, <laughs> and um, uh, I had. Just after Animal House, I wanted to. Um, John Landis and I were talking about doing some kind of larger film, and it never got. It really not. It never got off the ground. And when Dan Aykroyd came to me with this treatment that he had written for he and John Belushi uh, long before, I thought, oh, there's an opportunity here uh, for the kind of movie that I always wanted to make. And. Um, You've probably heard about the story. I mean, Dan's, Dan's treatment was really quite spectacular. It, it had all kinds of ghosts. It took place in outer space. It took place in the future. There were multiple gro uh, groups of Ghostbusters that were uh, competing with each other. Uh, but in, its, in the middle of it was this really beautiful idea that a bunch of guys working much like firemen actually caught ghosts and were creating this wonderful service for doing that. And I read it and I thought immediately, well, this should really take place today. And it really should take place in a city that we recognize. I guess, the, particularly in the 80s, the most recognizable city in the world was New York. 
And it was also the city that I was just starting to work in and it seemed like a great place to use the personality of the, of the city as a very important character uh, for the movie. And I pitched this idea of the guys very much like the movie you have right now. And um, I said, these are people we know, they work against a great institution, and then they go into business. Going into business was a big thing uh, for me as a, an immigrant and a libertarian, and um, particularly in the 80s. And it seemed a, a really interesting way to frame a story that was about busting ghosts and, um, and scary things happening. I mean, horror and comedy are related. The minute something scary happens in a horror film, what's the first thing that happens in the audience? They laugh. They, like they, they jump and gasp, and then there's a, that relief laughter. Paul, you were talking about that library ghost. The most thrilling thing that happened at the very, very first screening we had had no special effects. I think it had a little bit of the change head that's in the um, that's in the library ghost, and um, it was really the first time we were watching with an audience. That we don't, there were no effects, and um, but the audience immediately um, screamed really loud as soon as the change happened. And, and like one second later, everybody starts to laugh. And we all went, wow. <laughs> it was that combination. And it happened in every screening I've ever been to, even last night. <laughs> mm -hmm. Paul, Paul, how about the balance of scares and comedy in your movie? How did you manage it? What were some of your favorite scary moments in the 2016 Ghostbusters film? Well, I mean, in general, the great thing about comedy and horror is, like we were saying, they do achieve the same thing. But I find comedy's only great if the stakes are high and if there's real danger to the characters in it. And so it, for us, it was just like making sure, taking the fun, taking the template, the amazing template that, that Ivan had started, and just trying to play on that in our own way. Um, you know, but I don't know, you just try to, you really just try to keep people off their guard, but try to keep them laughing at the same time. It's just a very delicate balance that you hit. And, you know, we do test screenings over and over again to try to get the balance right. But, um, yeah, I just I, I think it's it's the greatest. You know, it goes all the way back to Abbott and Costello meet you know Frankenstein and all those things. You know, it, it works. So it's just why would you not do it? It's not the same as the shh, but you use silence in a similar way during that concert scene when the demon is on Patty's shoulders and he just gets real quiet and you're like, is she gonna get crushed? Is she gonna get flown off? Yeah, no, it's a little bit scary. So Jason, in your film, which is coming out a year from now, yeah. you start shooting. When do, you, when, do you, when do you start shooting? Uh, if all goes planned, <laughs> uh, we are going to start shooting in five weeks. <laughs> and uh, what can you tell us about the the balance of scares and comedy? You've told me you want this to, to be a scary movie. Yeah, I do. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about uh, the original. And, and one of my favorite things about movies of that time, also in the 80s, that a movie could be really funny and really scary, and particularly for young people. I think uh, scaring young people. I want to scare children. I think that's <laughs> where I'm getting to. <laughs> so, uh, your film, Jason, is connected in some way to the original Ghostbusters movie. We don't know quite yet, but it's the same universe. But Paul, when you made your Ghostbusters film, you decided you wanted it to not have this history. Why did you why did you want it to be its own unique standalone universe? Well, I mean, for me it was, um, you know, I like the idea of 
starting this new team, and, and originally when I thought of it, because the first thing I thought when they were they had been asking me is like, well, I, I just want to work with the funniest people I know. Who are the funniest people I know? All these really funny women that I work with all the time. And so I thought, oh, this would be great. And then it's like, well, should it be their daughters? Should they this? And then it just kind of felt like, and it's up to everybody can decide if I was right or not. Some people don't agree. I just thought, why not let them have their own origin story. I, I, I love the, the, all the technology in Ghostbusters, and I was like, well, I wonder how that developed. I, you know, I'm a real science nut, and so I was like, well, maybe how, let's, let's kind of find where that came from, and then have these characters that can, you know, bond and find themselves versus, I just didn't like, I personally didn't want them to just be handed, here's the technology, go out and do it. So, you know, again, for better or worse, I, I just, I, I thought that was fun, and I, I'm very proud of the movie, so. Thank you. It's a great thing seeing all the different kind of Ghostbusters jumpsuits. It's a, it's a pretty big universe and getting bigger. The casting, you said when uh, Dan Aykroyd wrote the script, he thought that he would cast uh, John Belushi in the film. Yeah, unfortunately John Belushi uh, took his, well, he, he died. And, um, and for about three or four years, um, Dan was trying to find someone to, to do it with, and uh, and that's why you've over the years you heard all kinds of people associated with the with the possibility of a Ghostbusters movie. I think he had spoken to Bill Murray, and I had had the great fortune of making a a few Bill Murray movies prior to this, uh, Meatballs and Stripes, and yes, and, uh, and then so. I seem to be the logical person for him to send his treatment to, and uh, I think, um, and I thought that would be amazing. And I, I saw the was characters. Was Harold involved too at that point? No, I sat down at lunch to, to give my pitch for what I thought the Ghostbuster movie should be. It's the one I was just describing, and I and I and I felt that Harold. I had just worked with Harold and Bill together on Stripes, and I said, you know, Harold's such a good writer. And he's such a funny, funny man and a great actor. He would be a great balance. I mean, there's something about all those guys in real life is that they're really tall and then they're really smart. And they're probably the smartest guys you've ever met. And there's something really admirable about those qualities. There's something about being funny, not really caring for a second and standing up, and just having kind of a an intelligence that can solve problems. And um, so I strongly argued for um, for Harold to be included in this trio, because it started as a trio. And um, I actually started as two. And um, he said, Harold is great, go. The whole thing took like three minutes and I, in this one lunch. There was no ego involved. You're really making them feel bad. They worked so hard on their movies and you're saying it's so easy. But so so but it happened quickly. And then how did the It was just one come? of these lucky one amazing moments. So this is April of nineteen eighty three, I think. I uh, I went after the lunch that we just described, I went and met the head of Columbia. It wasn't here, it was up at the Burbank Studios and uh, I really met with only him and the head of uh, publicity. And I pitched the story very quickly. And they said, okay, we'll make it. And he said, how much? I said, you know, the uh, stripes had cost $10 million uh, back when we made it. And I thought, 
well, this is more complicated than stripes. It's got special effects and ghosts and things. I said 30. I didn't know the number. I just pulled it out of my head. And they said, okay. <laughs> I hope they're listening here because it was really different. And um, um, they said yes, and we were productive. I said, by the way, there's, uh, there's very few, there are no special effects houses except for ILM, and they're already booked, I think, on, on Steven Spielberg's next movie. So we have to sort of set up our own uh, special effects house. And, um, and we were fortunate that Richard Edlund, uh, the brilliant uh, effects supervisor, who's here, I think, somewhere. And uh, we basically put him in business. Our Columbia put him in business. They gave him, I think they advanced $5 million of our $30 million budget. And he started and he set up the company while we were writing the script. And, uh, oh, that's, I forgot to tell you, there was no script. Uh, really, when we, um, during this pitch meeting, there was no script. And, uh, Good Lord, man, over us, man. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm just getting my just desserts. <laughs> the, um, and uh, Dan, Harold, and myself, with our families, rented three homes in Martha's Vineyard uh, during the July 4th weekend. This was for two weeks, the last week of June, first week of July of 1983 and wrote basically the movie that you're seeing. And, um, and it was pretty good. It wasn't great, but it, was, it seemed to make a lot of sense and had most of the big sequences that are in the film right now. Well, tell me about bringing in Ernie Hudson as the, uh, as the fourth Ghostbuster. Uh, Ernie, yeah. He's, he's, and, and those guys are coming out later. We maybe can get into this a little more then, but, but you, you, there was a, you made it a quartet, and I feel like he really makes You've got these other three that are kind of like loose cannons and out of control, and he's like the ground, and he's the one who keeps everybody on the job. Like, he's cool, he's confident. We realized the in the writing that we needed a character who spoke for the audience, who all these kind of geniuses were explaining things to, who didn't come from science, who came from a sort of a different kind of uh, life, and who became, became the, sort of the most practical person uh, in the film and sort of to get things done and um, and that's how the Ernie Hudson character came about but it took a few months for us to get there I think it it happened some point in August or even September so Paul when you cast your movie you went to a similar well for your performance for your stars he, Ivan had Second City and Saturday Night Live uh, and, and you had Saturday Night Live as, as sort of the foundation of, yeah, of, of I mean, your farm team, right? I mean, Ivan and I were talking about this earlier. It's, it, it, Saturday Night Live just has the, the ability to find the best funny people out there. And so you don't even kind of mean to go there as a shopping center. It just becomes like, well, they're all on it. You know? And, and you know, because I'd known Melissa, she hadn't been on it, but she, had, she hosted after we did Bridesmaids. And then um, Kate I had met with because I'm friends with Steve Higgins, who runs the show. And, and so you just kind of, you go like, oh, they're so funny. But with like Leslie Jones, you know, when we were putting it together, I was like, okay, we, gotta, we need somebody else in there who's going to be great. And Leslie had come on SNL. She wasn't even a, a cast member. She was like a writer or something. And she came out and did a, 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 like a weekend update. I remember just sitting there with my wife going like, who's that? And by the end of her monologue, I said, she's in the movie. I don't care what it takes. I'm casting yeah, her yeah. in the movie. And so you just get, yeah, she's amazing. 
But yeah, so, but when you write these things, you kind of write, we didn't write with anybody in mind, and then you just go, who would be great in this? And honestly, Kate McKinnon was the first person that I decided to cast. Because yeah. I had heard she did some, I knew her from SNL, and it was friendly with her, but I just some interview she did said that, you know, she was like, I, one of my dreams is to be a Ghostbuster. So I was like, okay, so brought her in and talked to her, and she's just pitching these crazy ideas, and I'm like, okay, well, she's in. So we kind of really built the cast around Kate. That ability in, in Second City or Saturday Night Live to come up with your own material rather than just take from the script, that seems like it's a really important element of Ghostbusters. And certainly the, uh, the ability to improvise is really important. But I want to emphasize that the screenplay that Harold and Dan, and to a certain extent myself, uh, wrote originally was a pretty damn good one. And it got better as it went along. And, and yes, with some... I mean, Bill Murray is like this sort of, he's a comet, and um, having, I had worked with him a few times, and I thought, you know, I, I, I better learn to just work quick, and really be nimble on my feet if I'm going to work with somebody as talented as this, because oftentimes um, he would come up with something that was better than that was written, and you just want that opportunity, you want to sort of... Um, try to get that out of them and allow them to sort of find that place in their brains, that strange place that you could never go to until you're exactly in that moment while you're shooting it and the energy of that moment sort of takes over and, and real genius occurs. Jason, we know, I know you're still casting your film, you're um, more than a month away from actually rolling camera, but we know three actors who are in your movie. Carrie Coon, McKenna Grace, and Ken uh, Wolfhard. Yeah. And, we, and we know they're a family. Yeah. Uh, tell me about why you chose each of those actors. Uh, not necessarily about the character, but why you thought, what it was in them that you liked, what spark you saw. I mean, what can I say without giving anything away? Um, just say it all, just say it all, Jason. All right, so... Page one. Uh, <laughs> establishing shot. Um, it's, well, they're all three extraordinary actors. You know, uh, Carrie Coon, I think the first time I became aware of her was when I saw her in um, Gone Girl, and she kind of just stole the movie, and then I saw her in Fargo, and she just became, and I'm sure you guys have the same thing, you see an actor, and it's like when you saw Leslie Jones, you see someone, you go, I need to find a way to work with this person, and you just start, you know, working towards their voice, and I started writing in her voice, because I just knew she was going to be perfect. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, McKenna Grace, I had seen a long way. I'd seen her in I, Tanya. You guys seen I, Tanya? Yes. Oh my god. So McKenna Grace, you know, played little Tanya Harding in I, Tanya, and was just extraordinary, and just little Captain Marvel, and yeah. uh, she came in red and was spectacular. And then Finn Wolfhard, uh, I mean, I, what more can I say about Finn Wolfhard than who he already is? Uh, he's perfect. Uh, it, it's very hard for me to articulate right now because I can't tell you anything about what the movie is about. There's ghosts. I'll, uh, There's ghosts. There's ghost busting. It's also very scary. What was, <laughs> did, he, did each of them have a connection to Ghostbusters? I mean, McKenna Grace is how old? Like, she's a young kid, right? How old Yeah, no, McKenna's a kid. Uh, McKenna's 12, and she loves Ghostbusters. And uh, I had this very sweet moment. I, I, I remember... Um, she has all these photos of her in ghostbusting gear throughout her childhood, and 
uh, she met my father and she cried. And she had a very I scared her. <laughs> Scary kids. We had a really like sweet me. moment actually, and I've always seen I've always seen that audition tape where uh, Spielberg is auditioning Henry Thomas uh, for Elliot. And he tells him he got the role, and, and, Ella, and, and Henry Thomas just starts crying. And at a similar moment with McKenna, where I just told her, uh, you know, uh, it, it's a rare occurrence, oddly. You rarely get to tell the actor face-to-face, -face, hey, you're it. And I had that moment in McKenna, and she just started crying. And she was so thrilled, and she immediately started painting Ghostbusters paintings for our office, and, uh, and if you're looking for a Ghostbusters fan, there isn't a bigger one than McKenna Grace, and I'm really thrilled that she's at the center of this movie. I hope I can say this without betraying anything. She made a Slimer Jello mold for a party. Yes. <laughs> we had a party at my house, and she brought a Slimer Jello mold. I mean, <laughs> she's in, in, in. <laughs> And, uh, and Finn, I mean, he, he's in Stranger Things. He put on the Ghostbusters uniform for yeah. that. I mean, yeah, like, Finn's already done the training. I mean, he's worn the uniform. <laughs> he, seems to be, he seems to be ready to go. How about Carrie? Did she have a Ghostbusters connection? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember, like, a specific Carrie Coon Ghostbusters uh, connection, and it's just not coming to me oh, right now. Right. She's obviously a big fan. She's excited. <laughs> um, you, you and I talked about this before, too. You were quoted in many places saying you would never make a Ghostbusters film. Or you, or you, yeah, what, what are you doing? <laughs> Eating those words now, live on stage. Uh, All right. Um, but tell us about deciding that, that you actually did want to do this. And, and I, know, I know you love this story, like genuinely love it the way I do, even though you were close to it in a way a lot of fans aren't. Um, what was it that made you want to tell your own story. I guess first I should say I was terrified of the idea of making a Ghostbusters movie. I, like every child that has ever lived, have run from their parents' shadow. Uh, and, uh, and it was a very intimidating thing. Uh, my father is the greatest storyteller I know and made movies that defined my childhood. Um, so, the idea of being a director myself was a very scary decision. Uh, and I should say, I should just take this moment and, one, express my gratitude to you for making this incredible movie that has brought people from around the world here. Yeah. Uh, and also, Paul, to express gratitude to you for kicking down the door on what a Ghostbuster and who a Ghostbuster can be. And as a lot of movie, you know, uh, anytime, anytime I see a movie where there's a SWAT team, that's the first guy who goes to the door, and he's the one who takes all the damn bullets. And you were the first one through the door, and you were the person who's going to allow it so that I can make this movie and many other people can make Ghostbusters movies about people of every race, every gender, from people around the world. There are all kinds of Ghostbusters movies that I want to see, and thank you for making that possible. I mean, I, I heard a pretty strong reaction when I was asking you about your new movie, and I think they want to know more. Oh. <laughs> and I think they came a long way. You guys came It's great to reminisce and talk about the past, but uh, uh, look, I, if I was out in that audience instead of being up here, what I would want to know, Jason, is uh, the original guys from your dad's movie coming back and being in your film. Are they going to be putting on the, uh, the jumpsuits? I love rumors. 
It's more than rumor. It's uh, have you ever heard of Sigourney Weaver? <laughs> she's out there talking. She says the original guys are back. She says she's back. She lost it. Is she? Uh, is she? Has she read the script? Sigourney has read the screenplay. Has, uh, well, Dan Aykroyd is executive producer of the movie. And yeah, he read it. He read it. <laughs> he read Dan it. has read a draft of every Ghostbuster movie that is ever. He's read every fan fiction he's, he's, he's covered. Uh, Ernie Hudson, I just talked to him and he said he wasn't sure what was happening as he read the screenplay. Yeah, Ernie's read the script. All right. Who's the other guy? What's that guy's name? Um, Bill Murray? Has he read the screenplay? I heard he was a con, right? He was in it. He seemed to have read the script as well. <laughs> Bill Murray has read the screenplay. <laughs> you have to call the 800 number or whatever that thing is, and leave a message, you set up a smoke signal. Wasn't there some sort of strange protocol? Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, uh, you know, in going to make this film, we wanted to make a love letter to the original movie. Uh, and this is a story that, I, again, I did not expect to be making a Ghostbusters movie. I thought I was going to be this indie dude who made Sundance movies. And, and then this character came to me. And she was a 12-year-old girl. And... I didn't know who she was or why she popped into my head, but I saw her with a proton pack in her head, and, I, and I, this story began to form, and it formed over many years, actually. Um, and uh, started with a girl, and all of a sudden it was a family. And eventually I knew this movie that I needed to write, and I needed to make, and I reached out to my writing partner, Gil Kennan, uh, and we sat down and we started writing this movie. Uh, and we reached out to, we've been reaching out to all the originals, the cast, the crew, the people who made this movie, and we even formed this kind of small group that gets together, uh, an advisory board of people who worked on the original film, to make sure that we make uh, the right film. I've kind of segued, haven't I? I've kind of gotten away from what you were asking. Uh, but you're going in a direction I want to go. I, I mean, we, we know who, if the originals come back, who they will be. We don't know where they'll be. And I guess that's one of the surprises of the film, right? Again, I'm not going to give anything away today, but what I will say is it's a new movie. It's, it's, look, this is a move, new movie about a, a new set of characters. It takes place in a new place, in a new location. And what I said to you all and meant, what I'm excited for is the possibility of all kinds of Ghostbusters movies. And I'm hoping that you guys will join me on this one because these characters are amazing, amazing and I can't wait to introduce you to them. What did you do? This is a little bit. Oh, stop it. <laughs> we have to keep our secrets. Uh, they are a family. They are a family, and we know they have some connection to the original. Uh, what do you want to tell us about that connection? I, Who I are guess, they? I guess, I mean, this is what I'll say. You don't know their connection, and they don't know their connection yet either. Ooh. Ooh. How was that? <laughs> no further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> we'll see how that trends. Uh, I want to thank you guys for coming up here and, 
and sharing some secrets and sharing some stories. And we have more coming up. We have uh, focused on specifically the 84 movie. Ivan, you're going to stay here. And I believe we can, we can say goodbye to you guys. <laughs> Although you'll be back to talk to your dad a little bit later. I'll be back with a little fun surprise later, guys. All right. Have fun with the 84, boys. Thank you, Paul Feig and Jason Reitman.